Welcome to the Two Cities Podcast, a podcast about theology, culture, and discipleship. And this is episode 149. In this episode, we're reviewing SBL 2022. Team members on the episode from the two cities include Jennifer Guo, Dr. Brandon Hurlbert, Dr. Madison Pierce, Reverend Dr. Chris Porter, Dr. Sidney Tooth, and myself, Dr. John Anthony Dunn. So we've all just come back from SBL in Denver. And for those of you who don't know, it's the Society of Biblical Literature. There are a handful of other conferences taking place around the same time. And it's always one of my favorite times of year. It's, it's lovely to see everybody and to uh, hear what people are working on and to present some uh, research uh, of, our, of our own. Uh, let's, hear from, let's hear from you all. What were some of your highlights from, uh, from the conference? Uh, what were some of the papers that you delivered and things that you really enjoyed about our time together in Denver? Well, um, I had a blast. I mean, this was my first time around being on the Two Cities team at SBL. And although I generally hang out with Two Cities people anyway, I mean, I think, yeah, John, I think you and I have been hanging out at SBLs for many, many years now. Um, it was super fun to, you know, be together with the group and to kind of jump around and all of that. So that was a highlight for me. Um, I also, I gave, uh, I keep saying it's a paper, but it was a presentation um, I did the IBR unscripted session, which is, yeah, unscripted is is uh, how you describe it. I had I was supposed to get up there with no notes or minimal notes and to do something like a TED talk. And so I did that and I was kind of myth busting some claims about Hebrew scholarship um, that relate to some Paul within Judaism stuff. So that was super fun. So I was myth busting some of the things that I actually covered in our Hebrews and Supersessionism episode that I did before I was a host. Um, so that was super fun. And I'm trying to think of other highlights for the time. I mean, our Hebrew session was awesome. And, you know, shout out to Sydney, um, who gave a great paper in there. So, yeah, that's my SBL. So this SBL was actually the first time that I met uh Everybody on the Two Cities team, except for John and Madison, Madison and I go back to our time at TED's, and I actually met John my first time at SBL at his beer reception. I had never met anyone else on the team before, so it was just really wonderful to meet everybody else in person. And uh, I really do think a highlight of the conference was just meeting so many Twitter friends and other online friends in person for the first time. It was actually a very anxiety-ridden experience for me overall though because it was my first time presenting and I had three papers so it was kind of a lot and I was stressed out the whole time but uh, I did try to enjoy myself um, by going to some receptions and meeting up with people um, so I presented one paper on the so-called thankless thanks of Philippians 4 10 through 20 and just arguing for um just a neglected uh, Jewish background to Paul's rationale for not thanking them explicitly. I responded to a paper at IBR um, that was arguing for Genesis 15 being the main Abrahamic intertext behind uh, Galatians 3.16. And then I also won the Tuesday morning lottery uh, where I presented a paper on the Euthalian apparatus of the Catholic epistles. I had two papers, which was great. Um, first time presenting, so really fun uh, slash never doing two papers again. 
my first paper was on second Thessalonians and I guess first Thessalonians as well which came out of my PhD project and was sort of a more practical outworkings of some of the conclusions I made there um thinking about what word of hope a book like second Thessalonians which is so often overlooked can actually offer in uh, tense climates and climates of oppression and the session I was in was particularly thinking about tense racial climates um which everyone else presented on Ephesians so doing second Thessalonians felt quite like different and interesting to do in that session but I think it, it was a nice session and there was some good feedback so I enjoyed that one um Hebrews that's what else I did I, <laughs> I see like, Madison mm. Pierce on my screen so <laughs> Um, I did Hebrews, yes. Um, that one was a totally new session for me, doing something in Hebrews and uh, very much heavily influenced by uh, Dr. Madison Pierce there, uh, trying to lure me over to Hebrews. Um, that was a more theological kind of interaction with some of David Moffat's work and others, thinking about if Jesus is high priest only in heaven can that fit with theological framings like the threefold offices and I like particularly at some reformed expressions of it and Madison can tell you if it was any good or not it was it was great and I hope that Sydney enjoyed popping over to the Hebrew session we try to be a, a welcoming bunch it was great it was a great group so uh, in addition to organizing the craft beer reception, which is uh, one of my favorite uh, things to do uh, every year, I also gave a paper in the Inventing Christianity session on the sour wine and the mixed wine offered to Jesus on the cross and uh, specifically how that gets received in early Christianity uh, in some weird ways. And so I argue that uh, basically based upon Psalm 69, Early Christians sort of harmonized the various details of that passion account into a kind of simplified version of, of the event, and then also leveraged the context of the psalm for some pretty awful uh, anti-Semitic um, curses against the Jewish people. And so it's it's uh, sort of early Christian uh, intertextuality and reception of the um, passion narrative in this particular passion incident. It's a lot of fun. It's terrible history to sort of draw out, but it was... Um, it was interesting to to work on. Basically, I was just getting too much into the weeds on this. Uh, it wouldn't wouldn't fit into the the book I'm writing at the moment. So I was, I was like, well, this this needs to be a separate article because it's getting a little too little too weird. And so got to separate this stuff out. Yeah, I presented uh, two papers. Uh, both went, I think, pretty well. No one uh, yelled at me. No one died in the papers. Uh, so I think that's a, a win for me. Uh, the first paper I gave was in the Joshua Judges section, and I uh, talked a bit about the uh, the so-called downward spiral of the judges, you know, how things get worse and worse. It's like what most people know about the book, and I, unfortunately, I just said that that doesn't exist, and um, and it was probably a pretty depressing paper for most, but it was really fun for me. I, I think I uh, at least argued uh, pretty well that it doesn't exist in the book and that there's better ways to think about uh, the structure. And I think that uh, influences our interpretation of the book as a whole. And then the other paper, uh, which 
I thought was more fun uh, to present, uh, but more stressful to write was uh, in the Bible and film section. I talked about uh, the film Children of Men, which is a post-apocalyptic kind of dystopian film. And I used uh, certain aspects of the film, uh, namely how it uh, portrays uh, the marginal characters or the characters in the backgrounds and the kind of dystopian elements uh, of the world uh, in the film. And I, I used that to kind of help us reread and, and rethink about uh, Psalm 90, uh, which talks about, you know, uh, God returning humanity to the dust. Uh, and I uh, did my best to reframe that kind of uh, Psalm 90 verse 3 as a call to uh, turn towards uh, the poor and the marginalized and to repent and, and as we live through our own times of dystopia. So I think I'm the only student on the entire Two Cities team, right? And definitely the only student who went to SVL. And, but I was, at one point when I was just having so much fun meeting all these tweeps in real life, I was just really struck by how Twitter has really changed the SVL experience for grad students because even before this SBL, when one of the professors was giving the students advice, he was like, you know, don't feel bad if people just look at your name tag and decide you're not worth talking to because that's normal at this stage, right? Everybody kind of says that that's normal at this stage and that it can be kind of a not so fun experience. But all of these, you know, Twitter people were just so excited to see each other. And so you kind of don't feel like a nobody in the way that you might have in the past at this stage. And I was really struck by that. So Twitter connections really made the social aspect a lot of fun. Yeah, it did occur to me. I had a lot of people walk up to me and be like, I'm sorry, are you Madison Pierce? And I was like, what? And I, that's totally a Twitter thing. Like people wouldn't see my face and stuff. Like it's, it's about like visibility and everything, you know, just kind of like being recognizable because for so long, it's been like only these like you know, very, very senior people who we like see on a poster or like, you know, or maybe on their faculty page, but normally it'd be like, oh yeah, I've seen their face like 17 times on like a lecture poster. Like I know what they look like. Yeah. And so it was super weird for me. I was like, yeah. but yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I think with this being my first SBL back after COVID, it was a real highlight to be able to see everyone. Um, it's been a long time between conferences and especially as the one of the token extroverts within uh, academia. It's uh, a wonderful time to be able to catch up and, and see everyone and be able to see what everyone's been doing, share highlights and um, and be able to and, and actually commiserate with people who have had a really tough time as well during COVID. Um, I ended up presenting a paper and not sharing a session. Uh, strange story about uh, the session. I ended up we having to move hotels at last minute because we had a fire in our hotel. Uh, so unfortunately, I didn't get to chair the session that I was supposed to be chairing uh, on multidisciplinary approaches to the Gospels, but my co-chair uh, ably stepped in at the last minute. Uh, but I ended up presenting a paper on the John 17, I and thou passage, uh, and really trying to see whether or not the approach to the social trinity that is often used by Leonardo Boff and others, uh, which leans heavily on uh, North American social psychology, is actually viable for doing theology, um, essentially arguing that it's not, and that a European social psychology approach might might actually be a better 
uh, way of addressing some of the issues with uh, the social trinity and then also thinking about the uh, nature of the wills within the trinity and whether you get modalism or you get tritheism out at the end. So, Chris, you mentioned that you weren't able to chair one of those sessions because of what took place in the hotel. From the time that you left Australia until the time that you returned, can you give us just like a quick summary of all the crazy stuff that went wrong? Sure. So, yeah, some people have been saying I've been travel cursed. Uh, This year, so 2022, hasn't been the best year for travel in general. Uh, There's been lots of flight cancellations. A few of us got stuck in Salzburg after International SBL uh, back in July. This trip was uh, unique, to say uh, the least. Um, Ended up on four separate flights from LAX to Denver after significant delays at the airport. Uh, Two lost bags there. And then, of course, we had a fire in the hotel. Um, Came back to the hotel one evening with fire engines everywhere. Woke up the next morning and by uh, early afternoon, we were getting evacuated from the hotel. Uh, Ended up at another hotel, which actually didn't have any room. And so uh, very much no room at the inn. Uh, As much as in this Advent season, I'd like everyone to go read Stephen Carlson's article on the Cataluma uh, and that the fact that it's probably not that Mary and Joseph and Jesus didn't find any room at a public lodging house. Uh, And you can read all that in Steve Carlson's article. But rather, that was exactly what we found. We, there was no room in public lodging houses uh, for us uh, until travel insurance stepped in. Uh, after that, everything was pretty okay until the last couple of days where I had flights cancelled again. Uh, I was put on an impossible transit at LAX. And then my Uber driver was detained for driving unlicensed and uninsured, or at least not being able to prove they had a license and insurance um, after he was speeding through as a little town um, outside Denver. So it's been a pretty wild ride. Um, It'll be up there with um, the rest of the travel this year. I've spent almost a week of work time on hold with Qantas. Um, sitting there doing my work with a head one headphone in, listening to on hold music. Um, I had the train brakes catch on fire uh, on the way to St Andrews, uh, going through Kakaldi, uh, on the back of uh, almost eight hour delay there and multiple reschedulings. Um, and as I said, got stuck in Salzburg for an extra day because of uh, Lufthansa cancelling all the flights. So it's been a wild ride this year. Didn't you have another Uber get hit by the tram as it was coming to pick you up? Of course. I, I'd forgotten about that. Um, yeah. So I was catching Uber out to, to Thanksgiving, uh, having Thanksgiving with John, and uh, Uber failed to give way to a tram. Um, needless to say, the tram can't move uh, left or right. It, it's pretty much fixed into its tracks, and it's heavy. Um, poor little Uber car was really not in a happy state afterwards um, not to add on to the travel mishaps and chris i'm never ever traveling with you um but bags stolen on the way down to london as well oh yeah yeah i had bags uh nicked off off the lumo back in august yeah it's it's been an interesting and and of course two bags missing this year i, I deliberately packed um two bags this year and split my gear between them uh, because of the chance of losing them. Um, one got lost on the way to the US and then I was forced to gate check another bag, which got lost on the way to Denver. So in all of this, um, actually, I ended up reading a book for review uh, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. 
Um, and it's actually, it was, a, it was actually quite cathartic. Uh, I read it on the flight over and it was one of those books, which really changes your mindset on a lot of things, uh, including things like travel mishaps. And so it was quite, it, yeah, it wasn't as big a deal as it could have been. Uh, and I, I feel like it was providentially prepared for it. And we have to congratulate our uh, fellow Two Cities team member, Logan Williams, on winning the Paul J. Ochtemeyer Award. He's not able to record with us today. He's recovering from eye surgery, but he gave this uh, amazing paper and he won an award for it uh, at, at SBL on Mark 7 and whether or not Jesus was declaring all foods clean. Uh, that's not uh, the way that he he reads it. He provides this really interesting reading that basically says that the the stomach purifies all foods. And so it's this interesting kind of halakhic debate that that Jesus is part of, as opposed to the way that we typically have read it, which is basically a kind of dismissal of, of kashrut and uh, Jewish uh, food customs. So um, really interesting uh, reading. And uh, I believe it's being published in New Testament studies. So you all can uh, check that out there uh, when it's available. So congratulations to Logan. Well done. All right. And while we were out in Denver, we also took the mics around and did some interviews with a handful of people. And so with the rest of our episode, we have a number of uh, short interviews to play for you all, beginning with this first one between Sydney Tooth and David Da Silva. You must be relieved now because I just came from a, a scintillating session on Hebrews in which you gave the last paper. Yes, yeah. Which yeah. I I think was the paper that I enjoyed the most oh, in that session. Oh, thank you so much. That's so kind. I, um, I'm new to Hebrews, so that's that's a high honor. Um, have you presented anything? I did. On Friday evening, I gave the annual lecture for IBR. Of course, and yes. And that was on... Um, the Spirit, Sanctification, and Salvation, What Paul Has Joined, Let No Theologian Rend Asunder. It was highly anxiety-producing because, you know, I'm shy. I'm a shy person, and there I am in front of 500 people, but it was well-received. It was graciously responded to by two wonderful respondents, Tim Gumpus and Aaron Heim, and it was fun. Wonderful. In retrospect. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. How about you? What's been good for you? Um... Do you know, just seeing everyone. I, I haven't been here for the past two years, so it's a real joy um, getting like academically stimulated by ideas and things again and just seeing old friends. So I um isn't the theme like reconnect. I feel like I feel like I'm living that out. So I've enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. Same for me. I haven't actually been to one since twenty eighteen. And my wife Donna Jean came with me this time to lend moral support. Um, and She's compared my, my interactions here with being at a high school reunion. It's just connecting with friends and, and, and just enjoying those, those relationships again after a long time. And, but let's, let's be honest, the best part of the whole thing is where we're standing right now. It's the book yes. exhibit, oh, always. Of course. What, what books have been on your shopping list? Um, actually, a number of IVP titles. Um, I wanted to get uh, Jackson Wu's book, Rethinking Atonement. I can't remember the actual title. And then um, Karen Reeder's book on the Samaritan woman. Again, I can't remember the actual title, but 
it, they both just jumped out at me as things I wanted to have. One for you know possible use in class, uh, Karen's book, and the other just because I really like Jackson. <laughs> How about you? Um, I, I've been trying to figure it out. I um, David Moffat's newest book, that oh, yeah. one. I bought that. That one uh, was very high on the list, so I've gotten that one. I have spent a lot of time at IVP's booth. Um, there's a book on academia and motherhood that actually two cities did a podcast on, and I've been trying to get it, and it's so hard to get in the UK, so I've got that one now. Very good, very good. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you for joining us. I didn't realize that the two of us were going to be hosting each other on this podcast. <laughs> that is neither of our podcasts. Well, it is mine. Oh, is it? it? Is. Okay, very good. <laughs> Sorry, very good. Excellent. My bad. I don't listen to podcasts. I'm I, 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 I'm a dinosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sydney. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so I'm hanging here with uh, Christoph Heilig in the SBL Bookstalls. Uh, Christoph, you have a brand new book that just came out with Erdman's, right? Yeah, thank tell, you. Yeah, that's tell true. us a little bit about uh, this book. Well, the book is called The Apostle and the Empire. Um, I forgot the subtitle. But it's basically about Paul's criticism of the Roman Empire, or lack thereof in his letters. And yeah, I, bu I built on some earlier research that I've done on this subject and on Second Corinthians 2.14, the image of the Roman crime for possession, and try to nuance the discussion in that regard, yeah. So where, where does your uh, work on uh, Paul and Empire, uh, you know, fit relative to like, you know, N.T. Wright and John Barclay? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, with respect to N.T. Wright, I've become more sympathetic to Wright's idea that Paul would not have been able to express certain kinds of criticism due to the... Uh, fear of um, uh, fear for persecution of the churches, basically. And uh, one important contribution that brought me to yeah, being more sympathetic to write is uh, new research by uh, historian James Cook Webster um, on the correspondence, be correspondence between Pliny and Trajan. And I think this research shows that although Christianity was never illegal throughout the first 200 uh, years, it also was never harmless. So. Uh, the, the Christians that uh, lived in the communities um, the, the, that Paul visited were just as much in danger of being executed um, as the Christians uh, in the beginning of the second century under Pliny. So I think that, that changes the way we should look at these things. Um, but, but still, I, I, I think most of the criticism uh, that we find in Paul's letters of the Roman Empire is more of the kind of a reflection of some kind of unease that he has with the Roman Empire and not some kind of strategic attempt of subverting the Roman Empire. And I think in that regard, I'm different from, from Wright. Yeah. Hmm. Well, what about John Barclay? Well, I mean, I appreciate his criticism of Wright. I mean, uh, his article on um, why the uh, Roman Empire supposedly is uh, marginal to, to, to Paul's thinking is, is one of the best articles ever written because he identifies several necessary conditions that need to be true for in order for Wright's hypothesis even begin to make sense, right? Um, but I think that most of these uh, aspects that he identifies and for which he uses historical evidence actually um, yeah, these conditions are actually fulfilled if you look at them closer than Barclay did himself. So I think it's a very stimulating paper that he wrote, in, but still stimulating in the sense that it, it, it can cause us to look closer at historical evidence. And in the end, I think Wright comes out vindicated in that discussion. Yeah, Yeah, and, and of course, uh, John Barclay wrote the foreword to your, your new book. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I have to say, that's so, so great. I'm so grateful for that. And 
um, John is the reason perhaps that I'm that I ended up in academia because I, you know, I was a student in St. Andrews when I began thinking about all these issues. And so I just thought, okay, I, I'm just a student, but I'll write this great professor, Barclay, mm -hmm. and ask him um, whether he, what he thinks about my critique, basically, right, yeah, um, of, of, of his work. And he was so generous in his response. That was one of the most encouraging moments of, of my career, the way he responded to a student who was not even a, a doctoral student at that yeah. point in time. So yeah, we've been in contact ever since he's, he's visited us in Zurich and even though I, I'm sure I didn't convince him mm. and with my book uh, <laughs> in, in all respects, I, um, I'm immensely grateful for uh, his contribution in general and for his willingness to, to, to interact with my work and to, to, yeah, to, hear, to hear my case, right? I mean, that's, that's, he's one of the greatest scholars in our field and certainly one of the best human beings I know. Mm. Well, that's great, and I uh, hope that everyone checks out your new book on Paul and Empire with Erdmans. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I hope you read it, too. <laughs> oh, I will. So I'm hanging with Mike Bird in, uh, at the SBL bookstalls. Uh, Mike, have you had a lovely conference in Denver this year? I have had a good time, including bunking with you, and it's good, it's good to see you not wearing your pajamas. <laughs> fully clothed. I'm with the bow tie. It's, it's, it works for you, man. The fully clothed work the fully clothed thing, you really pull it off. So how about some other highlights from the conference? Uh, any good papers that you went to? Uh, well, I mean, well, at ETS last week, I heard a fantastic paper on Junia by uh, Bridget Jack Jeffries. I hope I got her name right. Uh, JLIT session was pretty good here on John within Judaism. Uh, my own presentations were boring and banal, but I seem to have survived them, and so did the audience. Okay, I'll tell you, the, be the best thing for me has been reconnecting with people I haven't seen for a long time, hearing about what's what they're happening in their life. And, I mean, there is a sad side because uh, I'm hearing about a lot of people who have lost jobs or might be losing jobs, and there's a lot of insecurity and melancholy. Okay, so as good as the connecting is, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of sadness too. People have been through some hard years, some hard things going on in people's lives. And, but there's some good things. I'm connecting with people I haven't seen for a long time, hearing some good papers, and seeing some crack-a-lackin' good books that are coming out. Yeah, like a couple of your books? Yeah, exactly. Tell us about your new book. Well, my book is Jesus Among the Gods, Early Christology in the Greco-Roman World, which looks at the question of Jesus is divine, but in what precise sense? Nice. With Baylor University Press, so we hope everybody checks it out. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Thanks. Mike. Thanks for having me. Um, I've got uh, Dan Gertner from Gateway Seminary here with me. Dan, how's your SPL been? It's been a wonderful time. Great. What have you most enjoyed about being here? Well, it's great to be out of COVID and see people face-to-face -face and meet some fr friends that I've seen on social media a couple times, some Twitter celebrities, <laughs> and uh, some people that I've sort of gotten to know through their books and emails and at other conferences where I get to sit down and chat with people but yeah the highlights are really just learning to think with other scholars yeah yeah have you given any papers i didn't give a paper this year i presided at a session and attended a lot of papers but no papers for me this year what was the session you presided at a gospel of matthew about an hour ago ah and how yep. was that it was excellent excellent some excellent papers some younger scholars and some senior scholars and some good conversations pushing some conversations and new directions and some revisit revisiting some older ones so yeah good any um papers in particular that really made you think 
Uh, the one that makes me think continually from this section in particular was uh, John Campen continuing to talk about the issue of Matthew within sectarian Judaism because the, the issue of Matthew within Judaism has been one that's been under discussion, but even defining what sectarian Judaism means, and he and I have discussed this somewhat before in the Enoch seminar of what does it mean to be sectarian Judaism, how does Matthew fit in that, and how does Matthew as a... Uh, a missional document relate to the idea of being sectarian. How can you be sectarian and missional at the same time? So that was very thought-provoking. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, so we have here with us Dr. Leslie Baines from Missouri State University. How are you doing, Dr. Baines? I'm doing great. How are you? I am tired but good. So yes. what have you been um, enjoying the most from this conference? What are some of your highlights? I really think it's getting back in touch with people. I haven't been at the conference since 2019, and it is so lovely to see friends and make connections again and meet new people. Really enjoying it. Absolutely. Um, so you gave a paper, right? I did. I gave two. Okay, tell us about your papers. Okay. Well, the first one I gave was in the academic teaching section. I can never remember the names of these things. And the theme of the of the session was role-playing games reacting to the past games and it was just really outstanding I had never presented in a pedagogy session before and the people were amazing the papers were amazing and I think we all came out inspired and making connections to help each other and sharing materials it was just fantastic uh, and I just got finished presenting a paper in the myths and myth theory section uh, that was great. My paper was on C.S. Lewis as a myth lover, myth hater, and myth maker. Yes, because you are actually working on a book on this topic. I right? am, yes. Yeah. So when can we expect this book? Well, I really more. hope that you will see it in spring of 2024. Wow, that's I was wonderful. just talking to my editor, and it is almost ready Wonderful. so I, I can't wait. Yeah well on the topic of books um, do you have some here in our glorious exhibit hall that are at the top of your wish list? Oh I already bought the one at the top of my wish list and it is quite um, it's it's not very it, it's Ethiopic paradigms. <laughs> Get oh, as Ethiopic yes. paradigms. Well, That's the the book that I came in well, that I wanted you know, to buy. You know, I study Jubilees with yeah. Jim Vanderkam, so I also would I like to learn too. Get as. Yes, <laughs> uh, Jim Vanderkam taught us Get as, and I will always be grateful to him for that. So I'm really trying to keep up my Get as. That's wonderful. Yeah. We should get Logan over here to talk about Get as. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Bain. Thank you. It's wonderful. So I'm hanging in the uh, SBL bookstalls with Dr. Ikaputra Chupamahu, and it's so great to run into you. We just recorded uh, an episode with you, as you know, uh, and it's, it's fun. The episode's not even out yet. It's going to be out in a couple of weeks, uh, but it's about your new book, Contesting Languages. Obviously, uh, we have a, a full episode coming, but uh, do you want to tell us a, 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 just a quick little sneak peek about, about your new book? Well, yeah, that book is ma mainly about... Uh how language is a side of political struggle, that language is not just about the way people express their thoughts and ideas, but when, it, when, when, when language is in a social relationship, it becomes a contested space or contested item. So whose language are you gonna use in public space, for instance? 
You know, like in America, do we have to use English or do we have to use Spanish or do we have to use German? Why English? So the book is mainly about that and how the early Christians arranged their social gathering and social order when, especially when people come from different languages, right? What kind of language they have to use. So that book is in a nutshell about it. Yeah, well, well, we'll we'll, we'll save uh, the rest of the fun details for for the episode that'll come out in a couple of weeks from this one. Uh, but have you had a good SBL? Any 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 great highlights? Favorite papers? Anything like that? Yeah, it's been really good. I actually gave a pan uh, a talk in a panel reviewing a book, a fantastic book, uh, by an Israeli. Uh, yeah, she's a German scholar, but living in Israel. Living and teaching in Israel, uh, the book is entitled uh, "Jesus the Jew in Christian Memory." Oh. So it's a fascinating work to just show that Christian theology is deeply, deeply interreligious since the very beginning. So to strip away Jewishness from Christian theology is a dangerous act and violent wow. act. Yeah. So it's a it's it's a very interesting book. So we had a fantastic conversation. Mm. That's wonderful. Are there any books here in the bookstall that uh, you 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 had to pick up or that you're excited to go find and pick up? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> First of all, my book. Yeah, pick up. <laughs> your own book, Contesting Languages, with Oxford University Press. <laughs> any other book? So I would recommend uh, my friend Joao Safi's book. He teaches at uh, Austin Presbyterian Seminary. And the, the title of the book is Migrational Religion, Context and Creativity in the Latin Acts Diaspora. It's a fantastic book. It's, by the way, just won a 2023 book prize winner So by Baylor University Press. So you might want to check it out. Oh, fantastic. All right. Well, hey, Dr. Tupamaho, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, John. Thank you. All right, so they just kicked us out of the bookstalls, which is really sad, but I'm here with Dan Morrison and Warwick Fuller, who are both chaplains. Uh, Dan is with the Navy, and Warwick is with the Army. Uh, have you guys had a lovely SBL 22? It has been a lovely experience in every way imaginable. Wow, that's fantastic. I wouldn't have gone, I wouldn't have said it that way, though. Yeah, it's been fabulous. <laughs> So, okay, some highlights. What were some things that stood out to the two of you? Uh, great papers, uh, great books that were on offer. For me, it was the conversation on disabilities theology. We're hearing from like Sam Youngs and Preston Hill and that whole gang. It was, it was fantastic. It really was good. Well, I'm a revelation guy, so all the sessions on the apocalypse have been amazing. Looking at, you know, Christian Judaism, Jewish Christianity, I mean, you know, it's been a wonderful, wonderful time. And just connecting with people, reconnecting, especially after the past couple of years, has been amazing. Yeah, that's been a uh, sort of motif in all of the conversations that we've had. It's just it's so great to be back. I don't know if you went to San Antonio last year, but it was it was probably like 30% of normal capacity. This year is closer to 70, I think, uh, and it really is just so great to, to see everybody again. Last year, it was as if SBL was an apocalyptic world. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a dystopian version of SBL. I love that. I love that. Um, any any books that uh, you you had to pick up this year? Well, the one I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't just buy it. What was it? Gosh darn it! Hold on. I tried to buy it. And then it sent me the display copy. Oh yeah, Rethinking the Atonement by Moffat. I was really excited about it, and I didn't even realize it was up there. And then they tried to buy the display copy, and they said no. Even to the army, they said no. <laughs> Uh, for me, I went to a session on African-American hermeneutics and actually just picked up the book Stony the Road We Trod. 
one of the papers that was given was actually a shortened version of one of the essays that contributed to that edited volume. And because of that one paper, I was like, I will buy this book. So it was amazing. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you guys both so much for uh, your time. Hey, it's our pleasure. Thanks. Logan Williams. Yes, hello. Actemeyer Award winner 2022. This is the only thing people say about me now. How did, how did the poop paper go? <laughs> it was good. I got some laughs uh, when talking about poop. It was good. Um, it was funny after I, uh, after I, 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 I kind of set it up as like, oh, here are all these questions and, like, and here are all these difficulties and I have this proposal and the way we're going to answer it is by looking at Jewish views of poop. And, and, and I got some laughs and uh, that's good. It sounds like Matt Thiessen was pretty appreciative. I yeah, did get to hear Annette Reeds. Annette Reeds was also really, really good. She, I mean, she um, um, talked about the kind of implications of uh, the paper in terms of thinking about um, patristics, early Christianity, Syriac tradition, stuff like that. It was good. Um, I'm, I, yeah, I'm really appreciative for both their responses. Nice. Are you giving another paper? Or? Yeah, tomorrow... Uh, Will be uh, will be fun. Give you a uh, paper in the Paul section on um, looking at a, a place where I think Paul quotes Aristotle and how he's mobilizing that quotation for his view of Torah. Nice. Yeah, Logan, can you tell us about your um, experience in the gym recently? Yeah. So uh, I um, uh, got here on Thursday uh, and I went to bed at you know like. 10, 11, because I was pretty tired from jet lag. And um, uh, a fire alarm went off at 2.20 a.m. in my hotel, and it was so loud I didn't go back to bed. So I was up at like 4. I, I tried to go back to bed for a few hours, gave up, got up at 5, and I was like, what do I do? What are you doing? You get up at 5 a.m. Go to the gym. So I went to the gym. There's no one there. It was great. I had to place to myself, hopped on the treadmill. About 10 minutes in, I tried to take a drink of water, spilled the water, slipped on the water and it legit looked like something out of a cartoon like slipping on a banana peel i just like fell up fell face first on the treadmill stumbled like or stumbled a few times fell up felt just absolutely face planted on the treadmill and then just got catapulted off there's like boom uh because uh, the treadmill is still going and it's got catapulted off onto the under the carpet arm bleeding from carpet burn uh, I really hope that some security guard saw it and like saved the CCTV from it because it was, it's it could go viral. That would be great. Awesome. And what is your name? Uh, my name is Matt Matt Sharp. Oh, this is Matthew Sharp. And you do what right now? Uh, I'm, sorry. Oh yeah. yeah. So I'm a I, <laughs> I'm a, a Levy Hume Early Career Fellow at University of St Andrews. Wow, yes. Uh, and you presented today, didn't you? I did indeed, yes. What did you present on? I presented on God and Cosmos in Paul um, and, uh, and uh, God and Cosmos in Stoicism and how they relate That's to hot. each other, indeed. Uh, um, give us your 15-second pitch about what you said. Uh, the universe is created out of God um, and goes back into God. Um, and that's sort of stoic-y, um, but Paul also believes that. Um, but he also believes some things that aren't stoic-y, and that's really interesting as well. Wow. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. All right, so state your name and case. <laughs> Adam White from uh, Alpha Crucis College in Sydney. So, Adam, uh, what brings you to SBL? What are you doing? Uh, have you given me a paper or...? Yeah, I gave a couple of papers today, uh, but otherwise to do the catching up and meeting people and networking and 
all the things that introverts hate, but got to be done in academia. So, uh, what were your papers on today? So I did one on uh, the passage in Corinthians five, the guy in a relationship with his stepmother, looking at it against the background of Roman comedy, uh, and then it was a book review after that of uh, John Golden Gay's Old, Old Testament Ethics. That, that's a pretty broad spectrum. Like it was a big, yeah, yeah. Uh, sexualized com comedy to I went from Old incest ethics. to OT ethics, where I, I don't know if there's a, there's a relationship there somehow. There's a match there somehow. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, both are about ethics. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, yeah. Um, so yeah, nice. And where do you think that's going to take you? The Old Testament ethics? No, no. no. Okay. All of that. <laughs> All of that. What, what are you planning on doing with it? Um, now the theatre research is something I'm sort of interested in at the moment. Um, yeah, who knows, it's one of those, I'll know it when I see it, it'll emerge over the coming years and and just yeah, follow that rabbit hole till wherever it ends up. Nice. Clear enough answer? Yeah, yeah, yeah perfect. All right. You're up you're next. next. All right. All right, tell, tell us a bit about yourself. Name, where you're at? Rick Wadholm, and I'm at uh, AGTS in Springfield, Missouri. Nice. What brings you to SBL? I actually presented for an uh, Institute for Biblical Research session mm -hmm. yesterday on um, basically rethinking uh, the raving prophecies of Saul in, okay. in First Second Samuel. So. so you're an Old Testament scholar? Yeah, yeah, that's yep. my area, yeah. Uh, so what, what's your take on the Old Testament? Uh, on the, on the Old sorry. Testament? It's good, I'm for it. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. What's your take on the raving prophecies of Saul? Yeah, so, so I, part of what I contend is, so all of the readings actually suggest the ravings. They, they, so everybody uses the language ecstatic, fine and good. The problem is it, it does shift to the idea of ravings out of your mind, lunatic, negative. And my whole spin is the text actually doesn't tell us what he says. So this is an interpretive move by those of us who are seeking to enter a world that we're not familiar with, suggesting a negative reading. I think the text itself points to the spirit of Yahweh speaking through him when he's prophesying, that his raving is actually against the prophesying. It's not in the prophesying. So would you say as a, a David Ide redaction maybe or? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think we could play that way. Whoever has crafted this, um, I, I mean, I think they, they're actually, so part of my contention is they're playing the lyricless prophesying song prophesying of Saul against the lyricized prophesying of David at the end of Second Samuel. Yeah. Nice. Which is not so, raving. Yeah. yeah. At least I don't think. Uh, until he strips nude. Yeah, and, yeah. And right. <laughs> is, that, is that, I mean, Abigail seems to think that's raving. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Michael, the uh, daughter of Saul. Michael, sorry. Yeah, Michael, and she's yeah. scorning him. And the text actually does say he's wearing the linen ephod. Yeah. He's yeah. dressed as a priest. Even though, yeah, we talk about uh, David's dancing in his undies, you know. Yeah, he's not dancing in his undies. He's playing the part of a priest. Nice. Yeah, so, it's a fun cool. little twist. Sounds good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, we're chilling. All right. Uh, great. Uh, so, uh, Caleb. Yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, sure. I'm a second-year MDiv at Duke Divinity. This is my first national SBL conference. Amazing. Yeah, first time here. Glad to be here at the beer reception. Uh, fun time in here. Uh, John, John's got the energy up in here. It's awesome. Amazing. And are you presenting this? Yeah, year? I'm presenting on the dreaded Tuesday morning slot. So oh, it'll just fun. be uh, the people who have papers and me. Um, <laughs> so I'm presenting on Matthean redactions, social memory, just um, historical Jesus questions in the Gospel of Matthew and how he responds to the questions of who Jesus is, who Jesus was, all that. Great. Can you just give us maybe uh, the bullet points yeah. of what you're, what you're sure. presenting on? I, um, I think that... 
Mark 8:28, uh, when Jesus asks the disciples, who do the people say that I am? I think the disciples answer, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah. I think that's, that betrays a first century Judean memory of Jesus as Elijah. So when you have a prophet, Jesus, walking around doing Elijanic things like healing people, preaching a lot, doing these signs that characterized a prophet of old, it makes sense to me that people would have looked at that guy and said, oh, that, that reminds me of Elijah. That doesn't mean that John the Baptist wasn't called Elijah too, but they could both be called Elijah. They both have Elijanic traits. So long story short, I think Mark is responding to people calling Jesus Elijah, and I think Matthew does that a bit more than Mark, a bit better than Mark. Awesome. That sounds exciting. Yeah. I'm, I mean, the, the three people that are at your picture are going to love it. <laughs> Thanks, I, yeah, I yeah it, they'll go crazy. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. All right. So I'm here with Craig Blumberg at SBL. Uh, Craig, how's your SBL been? It's been great. What have you been up to? What, what's the highlight of your paper sessions? Of the paper sessions? Hmm. I wasn't prepared for that question. <laughs> <laughs> I think my best papers were at ETS, not at SBL. <laughs> so, what was the highlight of ETS then? Yeah. Um, maybe the presidential address, because it was by Don Carson, who was my supervisor 40-plus years ago. <laughs> and in a sense, it was a uh, part lecture, part sermon on the two places in the Bible where the thrice holy formula appears in Isaiah 6 and again in Revelation 4 and uh, in light of the theme of the conference which was holiness which doesn't mean that every single paper or session is tied in with that uh, it made sense to have a, a very profound and moving presidential address focusing on it. That's great and what's what, what's your favorite thing about ETS and SBL? <sighs> At this stage of my career, it's not that I'm going to hear some blockbuster presentation that will change my opinion on anything terribly significant, but a combination of meeting with a lot of folks who are very special, some who I have worked with, but they've moved on to other places, and some that I only... <coughs> ever see uh, at these conferences, but it's, it's great to keep the friendships going. So that on the one hand, and uh, the book stalls. <laughs> we got I always spend too much. Yeah, we can't help but buy more books, can we? <laughs> Even in retirement, <laughs> as long as I'm still writing. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for speaking to us and giving your, us your reflections. Thanks so much, Craig. You're very welcome. All right, so I'm standing here with Bethel Seminary's own Taylor Patz. This is your first SBL. What did you make of it? It is my little slice of heaven. I'm oh. like a little kid in a candy shop, I feel like. That's it's, great. I am overwhelmed by the amount of papers no. that are so fascinating. Excellent. Now, now you're, you're a MAT student, right? Yeah. M-A-T-S. So what did you gravitate towards most in terms of the kind of disciplinary output that's on offer at SBL and AAR? Honestly, it was so much and so overwhelming. It was almost like I had a long list of ones that I was interested in, and then it had a lot to do with the building that it was in. Yeah. 
Um, yep. Yeah, especially because we're here in Denver and it's freezing cold outside. <laughs> Although we we both live in Minnesota and ostensibly we should be good with the cold weather. Yeah. But as we've said multiple times this trip, we didn't bring all the warm stuff that we might typically bring. Um, but uh, you're right. That certainly I I also made a lot of decisions about what I was going to go to based upon where it was located because I didn't want to go outside as much. Um, but did you find that there were multiple sessions at the same time that you wanted to go to and and how did you how did you manage uh picking which ones you would choose in the end yes um oh man i ended up i feel like i went through phases where i'm like oh i want to be super exegetical and get in the bible and i want to hear what this person thinks about the greek and blah 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 and then i'd be in other moods where i'm like you know, I just want to talk about feminism. I just want to hear broad, a more topic, less nitty gritty, or even a whole different religion. Um, so that was a lot of decision. And then sometimes I would look and be like, ooh, this one has a break. So I'm going to do this one, and then I won't feel rude because I'll just hop out during the break, and then I'll go join another one. <laughs> so, Taylor, were you here for ETS as well? I was not. So no. because I know you you dropped the f bomb just then. Did I? Yeah, you said the word feminism. Oh. <laughs> okay, I, I, know, yes. I know a lot of people. <laughs> I know a lot of people who um, really struggle, you know, in, in terms of how to think about feminism and academia. Certainly at ETS, there was a bit of a furor about feminism, and yeah, what what's your experience in uh, exploring feminism at the annual meetings? I have been really fascinated by the different approaches between um, SBL and AAR. And I, like for example, there was one lady that I thoroughly enjoyed at a SBL and I'm like, I'm gonna keep following her. Like, she's cool. And I, I was amazed by just the different approach where now it's an AAR setting and she was not strategically trying to ease you into it. It was very much, you just got to it. And I could examine my own reactions to it and I could tell the difference. I mean like, ooh, you were more accommodating for people like me in SBL. You were not accommodating in AAR. And I appreciated them both. But um, so presumably, yeah. this this scholar was maybe more of an AAR person normally, like a th theologian or a philosopher. I would assume oh, yeah. probably. Um, now, now across the sessions that you went to, did you did you like SBL more or AAR? Oh man, I don't. I I can't. There's only one right answer. <laughs> I'm just joking. The right answer is the book hall. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, based on your experience this time, do you think you'd like to come back again to SBL in the future? Absolutely. I am already thinking about next year, and yes, I am excited about it. Fantastic. Well, it's in San Antonio next year, and uh, much it's, warmer. It's a great. It's a, it's much warmer. Yes, it's much warmer, and the year after that is uh, San Diego. So uh, yeah, it won't be it won't be this cold for at least a couple of years. Yeah. I won't be able to use an excuse of staying in the same building. <laughs> well, Taylor, very glad you came to SBL. Hope you enjoyed it. Glad to hear that things have gone well. And uh, thanks for chatting, chatting with us. Yes, absolutely. Thanks. All right, so I'm standing here in the SBL bookstall with J. Andrew Cowan, who made a, an impromptu decision to come to SBL this year. Tell us about that, Andrew. That's right, John. Uh, I uh, was not planning to come this year. 
for a variety of reasons due to family reasons and things like that. And then I saw uh, everybody start to arrive on Twitter. I saw their pictures uh, and I was like, oh man, I'm, I, I feel like I'm going to miss out. And it was, it was Wednesday night and I, I live in Germany. Uh, but then I decided just to check plane ticket prices and I found a good plane ticket price. Then I checked hotels. I found a reasonable hotel and I was like, man, maybe I could go. So I talked it over with my wife and she was like, you should go. Uh, I was pretty hesitant because we've got four kids and that would, that would be a lot to leave her with. But over time, she persuaded me. So Thursday night, I bought a ticket, hopped on the plane. Friday afternoon, I was here for SBL, my favorite week of the year. That's insane. What a, what a quick turnaround. So has it been worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I, I, I love SBL. It's amazing. Uh, I've never taken cocaine, <laughs> but the effect of conferences on me are what I have basically heard people say cocaine does to them. It's just so stimulating and exciting. It's, it's a fantastic time. <laughs> nor do I recommend cocaine, uh, but uh, I recommend conferences very highly. So it's, it's been a, a great time. I've, I've loved it, seen some old friends, heard some great papers. So yeah, it's, it's well worth it. So what were the best papers um, that you heard so far this, uh, this SBL? Uh, well, it's kind of hard to pick one paper, but I think uh, Logan Williams, who I believe is a member of your team on the podcast, gave two papers this year, and, and they were both excellent. He gave one about uh, Mark 7, about where people think that it says that Jesus declared all foods clean. Jesus, uh, Logan argued that that's not what it means, and I think he gave a, a really strong case. And then his other paper was about uh, the phrase, uh, he, there's a place where he thinks in Galatians 5 that Paul is quoting Aristotle, and he argued that in Paul's view, people who are received the Holy Spirit are kind of above the law and no longer subject to it. And I thought he made a really strong case there as well. So great showing from Logan Williams this year. Uh, I was really impressed with his work and those were some really good papers to go to, so. All right, brilliant. Well, I'm glad you made it this year, Andrew, and uh, thanks for sharing with us. Thanks a lot. All right, and that concludes our review episode of SBL 2022. It was a lovely time. It was great to see you all who were able to be there. And we look forward to next year in San Antonio. Cheers.